he abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host, Ben, and his sister, Adrian, for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode. We'll be talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you had any question after hearing that sound, Adrian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to hear. So today we're coming to you from the road, just as we did a couple of weeks ago. It's another remote broadcast. Um, It was so successful then, we decided to take another crack at it. So this time we're coming to you from my girlfriend Kate's family's house, and we have a special guest joining us today, which you would know if you saw any of our social media. Uh, This is my brother-in-law, Chris, who is a New York City detective. He spends his days combing the streets of the city to bring justice to all the shitbags who emerge from the bowels of the town. All this so that the undeserving residents of New York might sleep a little better at night. In addition to being one of New York's finest, Chris is also a huge enthusiast of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and this is what earned him his seat on the show today, of which he begged to occupy. Chris, any words to get us started? Hey. (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of Chris's favorite movies of all time. I like it. You know, it wasn't one of my favorites. It was, uh, it's up there. You know, I saw this where, where was I? Sometime, somewhere in high school. Um, this was not one I had like sneak. This is not one I had like, you know, bootleg or anything. I just rented it at the video store. I was old enough. And um, I liked the grainy feel of it. I liked the, you know, really unpolished, unvarnished sense of it. The fact that it was like a true story. We'll get into like a brief synopsis of the movie, but the fact that this is one of Chris's favorites, I might let him go ahead and give some background on it. This is not something I'm willing to do very often, is let a guest give the synopsis, but we'll make an exception here today. I guess that's warranted. So, yeah, starting from the very beginning with that great graveyard scene and that flashbulb sound that I played prominently in the beginning... Let's start with the fact that you you never have guests. So let's start with that. This but, is our uh, first guest ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, Adrian is part of the show. You know, you're An not like integral really a guest. part of this this wonderful podcast that has changed my existence at three o'clock in the morning as I'm driving into work. But yeah, true. Well, he's on the job. He has he has admitted to us that he's listened to every episode, which surprises me. Every but. episode. <laughs> The only fan. (laughs) Only fans, yeah. Shout out to Chris. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We did mention only fans last week, so there must be some tie in there. Yeah. We'll have to, like, you know, do some kind of co op with them. (laughs) Shout out, Chris. Stay awake. It's three o'clock in the morning and you drive and keep your eyes on the road. (laughs) That's right. The future you is going to be listening to this, right? When you're on the job. So sorry for the hangover. (laughs) Uh, So. So the movie itself, yeah, so that great intro. What was the deal anyway? My memory is kind of fuzzy on this one. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, yes, yeah, so we got the graveyard. We got like that corpse mm-hmm. on the on the um, the tombstone. Uh, and don't forget the five hippies riding through Texas in their mm. little van, right? Very true. They pick up the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker. Right. That hitchhiker, by the way, looked a lot like my college roommate. <laughs> I said to him one day... I know how this, we got into this, but he was like, you know, doing some dumbass shit. And I was like, Jay, you know what? You remind me of that guy in Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was in that weird guy with the knife. It's a good knife. It's a good knife, right? You haven't spoken to him since, I guess. He did take offense <laughs> to that. He said it looked like Frank Poncherello. That was his retaliation. And I'm like, really? Frank Poncherello from Chips? I'll, I mean, hey, 
I, I don't want to look like that, but that's not the biggest insult I could have gotten, right? <laughs> Confirmed. So, yeah, we got the hippie bus, and then next thing we know, we, like, um, that guy starts freaking out. He cuts himself, and then he takes a picture. Or was it he takes a picture first and he cuts himself? a Polaroid of them. Right, right. He wants to sell that to them, and they're having no part of it. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? You're pretty weird. You know, you (laughs) smell. You look pretty. (laughs) Why did we pick you up in the first place? And then then they're like, okay, we're getting ready. Let's stop this thing. And uh, they boot him out. That's confirmed. So from that point on, I think, like, he's kind of like, you know, he starts getting more and more erratic and, like, smears his bloody hand, which he cut in the van. And he smears on the side of the, of the van, right? He did, yeah. And then somebody says, like, they think it's a sign or, like, some kind of symbol that he did specially. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. call that foreshadowing in the movie business. <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing. If that's what he was trying, I don't know. I think he was just, like, you know, he's trying to, like, you know, piss them off best he could. Um, but they managed to escape him, and they're on their way to, what was it, Chris? Like, find some kind of, like, inherited land yeah. that they... I believe it was the uh, grandfather's house. The grandfather recently passed. Sally and Franklin's grandfather. Sally. Marilyn Burns, who I think did a great job in that movie, by the way. I think she should have gotten some <laughs> kind of Academy Award. Wouldn't you agree with that? I think she should have died at the end of the movie, <laughs> but how we go about it? <laughs> I can't believe you'd say something like that. It's called a massacre for a reason. They're not supposed to live. <laughs> well you know that was like i think you know this started to debate among um some activists also there were like a lot of female groups that got pissed off at horror movies because all the females in the movie died either like excruciatingly painful deaths and all the guys like you know i guess not that it was like any picnic but they got killed right away and so she had to endure like not only like um just like the physical abuse but just like all that mental torment also so i think that like this pissed off a lot of activist groups but you think she should have died oh yeah quickly or everybody should die i mean (laughs) it's called the goddamn texas chainsaw massacre everybody should be dead in that movie nobody's lives matter (laughs) no lives matter that's how it goes no listen i was listen i was talking to my wife lovely lady she is she might actually listen to this so i'm gonna say compliments i would hope so um yeah number one podcast uh no i was talking to her and i was saying you know it's kind of like National Geographic, right? Like you watch the lion hunting the gazelle, right? And you always want to see the gazelle get away. Like you, 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 you hope for the best. They run away, whatever. But that's the lion's fast food, no pun intended, right? Like that's its chicken nuggets, it's chasing. <laughs> and in that movie, to me, the ending for me, and not to jump the gun here, but the ending for me, like Sally was Leatherface's chicken nuggets, and uh, she gets mm-hmm. away, and you're, you're almost kind of disappointed. You know, like it's a it's a time you like you feel bad for the lion. The lion's not eating dinner because the gazelle got away. You know, I mean, fucking Leatherface deserves it. Whatever. I don't know. Partially to play my, uh, you know, <laughs> obligatory feminist card, but also to kind of be devil's advocate. I feel like it kind of you know goes against the traditional narrative of you know a woman being tortured to death at the hands of a sadistic male. Confirmed. However, there wasn't yet set the stereotype yet we didn't get to that point of the there wasn't the horror set yet there was always the heroine right like dracula the phantom of the opera frank well maybe not frankenstein i was about to go down a dark path there (laughs) (laughs) you're absolutely right but for me leatherface the family the whole the, the the setup the situation it was set up for everyone to die right you're not talking about freddy krueger or michael myers where like he's putting in this big chase this they were all trapped like 
like fish in a barrel ready to die the whole the franklin gets chainsawed she was right next to him she gets away that time but then they catch her and they put her in the house that's the only reason i say that it's not that i hated her i had nothing against sally i hated franklin i did everybody's gonna be mad about that i hated franklin i really did (laughs) but everybody should have died in that movie because that would have actually set the tone and then it wouldn't have been so generic right it wouldn't have been that obvious ending is it generic though maybe the fact that it frustrates you is something to think also about. funny too but think about it. every movie every single horror movie there's always a survivor and there shouldn't be like uh but if you're saying this is the thing that like started it all off then the slasher films yes not horror films but slasher films for sure but think about it like uh we were just talking creep show creep show 2 one of the best parts about that second part with the tar in the water i know we're getting off subject here but there's like the tar <laughs> in the water it kills everybody right the one guy gets away and then it ju- the fucking tar jumps out of the water and sucks him in it's the most satisfying ending it's not about the, it's not about her being a woman it's about nobody should survive i don't care if the survivor was fucking franklin Everybody well, should die in that movie. I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if Creep Show Two was the gold standard of horror no, movies. It was, it was no. a decently, but I will say though, Night of the Living Dead kind of like falls in line with what you're saying because everybody did die Correct. in that one. Like at the end of the movie, it's just like I don't think the audience for that movie knew what hit them. You know, it was like such a just off the cuff. Like there was never like anything like that up what until then. Live in that? No, Barbara survived. Oh no, no, she got like mutilated too. Like Barbara? she dead completely. Um, that was the weird thing about Night of the Living Dead. It's just like there was like so many weird movies, but they also had the you know there was like horror movies and space alien movies, and they all kind of had like you know they were like scary, but they had like a little bit of like corniness to them. But when people went to the theaters, Roger Ebert has a great thing about this. Also, he said he was parents brought their kids to see Night of the Living Dead, expecting one of those cornball horror movies or space movies, and like halfway through the movie, it's just like you know they're like entertained by it. It's scary. But then suddenly, like, the moods change, and the kids start, like, have this look of horror on their face. He's like, no, 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 this was something different. This was not, like, a cornball movie. This was, like, seriously sadistic stuff. And this really – and then by the end of the movie, it's just like, you always want there to be a hero, and then just bang. He gets shot in the head right between the eyes, and that's it. It's just done. Nobody lives. But so that falls in line. But it's very rare. I mean, for the most part, I think you know most people do want to survive her in the end. I know um, they want it, but they don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it also goes into like we're gonna get philosophical, but it's like, are you gonna be sympathetic to the killer, or are you sympathetic to the gazelle, so to speak? Uh, I'm sympathetic to the lion, baby. I want to eat. <laughs> we should. We should all mention that Chris does have a tattoo. That's the point. Of what? It's it's one of the female victims on a meat hook. <laughs> uh, well, this it's is... not solely. It's the cover. It's the cover of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, so there's several, but it's popular. Yeah, with the young lady hanging from a meat hook in the background. That is true. She's still alive, though. I'm just saying. I didn't get the dead bird. I'm just... He's also still married to his wife, who confirmed continued to go out with him after <laughs> revealing. So she's statue. an equally big loser. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cause still a story about like you know date number three with his. <laughs> With his wife, he got into, like, I guess disclosing all these tattoos and stuff. I guess the third day you were getting worried about whether, you know, things were getting serious, so you wanted to, like, just disclose everything you could. I'm a weirdo, (laughs) right? I got you. Yeah, most guys would have, like, I don't know. (laughs) If you're expecting something and she was going to see certain things that she hadn't seen yet. (laughs) Diana, Ben still loves you. Don't worry about it. (laughs) We can edit that part out if need, <laughs> if need be. I, I, I don't care if it stays in. That no, might be your call or her call. I could give a fuck 
was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, have no, I have no fucking shame, Ben. You know that. So, any more comments as far as the uh, what's her name surviving Sally? at the end? Okay. Yes. Any more to do from either of you, Adrian, no, Chris? Actually, are we done? So, just just to build on the the feminist standpoint, I did like Sally as a, as a character. For the record, I didn't hate Sally. There was nothing wrong with Sally. I actually appreciated Sally's tenacity. I appreciated that that she survived, or at least that long. But I think when you look at the ending, right? Like, watch, watch the ending, right? So she survives. She jumps out of a second-floor window and doesn't break her leg. She injures herself, but she doesn't break her leg, mm-hmm. right? After she gets hit in the head with a sledgehammer multiple times, right? Grandpa. Grandpa's the best. Grandpa He's the best. knocks the fuck out of her, right? Yep. She jumps out of a goddamn second-floor window. She creeps her way up. Now she's got a fully mobile, six foot five, two hundred and seventy-five pound Gunner Hansen chasing her fucking ass down, right? Excuse me, there's a lot of f bombs going down. You know, I'm just getting very, very excited about this. Right, right. So he chases her down. She makes it all the way through the woods from like I don't know, presumably five o'clock in the morning to sunrise, right? Yes. And she runs out. She gets this this big badass fucking trucker comes out with a giant industrial sized wrench and smacks Leatherface in the fucking face with this goddamn wrench right i was always intrigued by that part right but go ahead and then he almost fucking kills this poor guy who's just trying to help this broad sorry i don't mean to broad you but (laughs) (laughs) but like but like helps her and then i think he gets killed or does he run off or gets killed i can't remember the the trucker or it happens to the trucker it seems like he got killed i think i'm trying to remember i I don't think he he gets murdered i think he did another random guy drives by yeah she jumps jumps in the back back. and they take now now, what I would say is, again, it's nothing against her. Again, it, it, I just wanted everybody to die for the simple fact of, like, it was perfectly set up for them to die, right? Like, and again, it's Sally was a great character. It's only Franklin I wanted dead. But, but really. Which is terrible. I don't agree with that. No, but, but, it's, no, but whatever. <laughs> but it's just him screaming and whining the entire movie. Sally! Poor Franklin. Right? I'm just saying, like, God rest his soul, man. He was, he, you know, whatever. But the entire movie, it's him screaming and wailing and begging and manipulating and all this stuff. So, I just think that the perfect ending of that would have been something super terrifying. It was up to that point one of the most terrifying films of all time. Why ended it on a good note? Ended on a terrible note. Make everybody suffer, make everybody die, and then ruin the entire audience's day. They go home, they're like, what did I just watch? This <laughs> right. Is, this is awful. <laughs> well, That's it. it's nothing against the women. It's not her. It, the survivor could have been fucking Jerry, right? Jerry. Mm-hmm. Jerry was the boyfriend Wait, or something. Was... I think. Oh the yeah. Big buff guy who gets like fucking hammered in the in the hallway, right? They, he gets hit in the face. Oh with the or yeah, yeah. So Jerry is this big buff dude. He could have been the survivor. Right. I would have loved to see him get run over by a truck. I'm just saying. <laughs> it doesn't matter who it was, you know? <laughs> Sorry. So I'm not attacking women. Trust me. I promise you. It's not that. It's just, it was just one of those movies where it was so perfectly set up for everyone to be dead at the end. That's all I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that, that this is a, such a low budget, too. This is like $100,000, which, you know, I, back then would have been more money. They could have done whatever they wanted to. But here's the other thing also is that they marketed this as a true story. So whatever they do, I guess, like people were going to believe okay that's what really happened she really did live but still like it wasn't a true story completely it was based on true events but at the same time i mean i guess that's like the first movie i can really remember where you know the whole female hero whether it's hero or not like survivor i should say of slasher movies like that kind of set the trend for it but then of course we go back to like you know the feminist groups again 
where she survives, yes, but how did she survive was by the help of other men, like that trucker, right? The the trucker that stopped and helped her, and then like so that's not the thing that people point at. So you're dissatisfied that she lived, and the activists are dissatisfied that she was she lived at the help by the help of other men. Well, yeah, also, yeah, also that was another point I would point out too was even that they made it so that a, a man had to intervene to save her at the very very end. She couldn't have done it on her own initi- or accord. Well, I that's guess. what they made it seem like. Yeah. But at the same time too, who could have? Again, if she had to run on her own against a guy who's fully capable, she now has a fucked up leg running on her own. She would have been doomed at some point, right? Like he would have eventually caught up with her, fat bastard he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she got a little, she got a high five from the the guy in the pickup. But I don't know. I think I think I'm I'm more bitter about when they did the 2022 Leatherface. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they bring her back as a sheriff to come get her vengeance against <laughs> Leatherface, which in and of itself is a fucking farce because it never should have made it this far anyway. Like, nah. Leatherface should be dead. I mean, you know, like he shouldn't have lived this long. They should have stopped making this a long time ago. Fucking bullshit. 50 years. And yep. then this guy's still killing people. He's killing 20-something-year-old fit people, men or women. This mm-hmm. dude's got to be 80 years old, and he's fucking murdering people in 2020. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> and then she comes back as a sheriff. Well, she has a shotgun, and she somehow still has to struggle with this fucking guy. And then she still ends up dead, I think, if I remember correctly. I think she still ends up fucking dying in the fucking movie. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Ultimately, she dies. But it's stupid. (laughs) She dies in the worst fashion. If you're going to survive that long, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. Like, I love the Jamie Lee Curtis narrative. Like, there's a heroine in a movie that makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. Like, she's fucking, she doesn't give a fuck about Michael Myers, right? You got to respect that. Mm Mm-hmm. Her survival through all these films makes perfect sense. She's never, like, she's cornered, but there's that little piece of him that stops him from killing her. Makes perfect sense. She gets that survival moment. Sally didn't get that. She was dead to rights, right? Jamie Lee Curtis getting vengeance on Michael Myers is beautiful. It's poetic. It makes sense. She is the ultimate heroine. Like, she's awesome. True lies, fucking Halloween, whatever. Sally doesn't make any fucking sense. Everybody should have been fucking dead. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm not going to go on this whole rant. I'm just saying she, she should have been fucking dead. That's, that's my you know, All right. massacre. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. So we've covered Sally then. Oh, I'm so far into whiskey. But... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting cast of characters, though. Um, yeah, you know, like I said before, this was like, you know, it had the feel of it, like, really, I think, is what terrified a lot of people. It's just like it was so grainy, so unpolished. You know, and part of that was because of their hundred thousand dollar budget. This came out like in seventy four, and there really wasn't anything we were saying before. Like nothing really like this had been out there before. Um, and the fact, you know, of course, it was marketed as a true story that just like made people even more freaked out. You know, it's just like wow, this stuff really happened. And like the way these people, like you know, were were put in these positions, like you know, dying like on a meat hook or put in a freezer and then just kind of like left there overnight and then still alive the next morning when they opened it back up. <laughs> so after that hitchhiker incident like they run out of gas somewhere i believe and they they happen to stop right outside the house where the hitchhiker happens to live is that right well, they or the gas station they okay the, the gas, gas station, station first and they... the father owns the gas station oh, and he's okay. cooking his barbecue they gas up the whole thing he gives them the whole speech you know the weird uncle guy the who made it to part two teeth yes yeah he's the one that made it to part two also right which was like i believe total... so yeah which was a total farce, but I love it, Abortion, though. Abortion, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Every, every subsequent fucking sequel to that movie was pretty awful. I, 
Number two, I, it does have number two has its merits. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree totally. If you take it as a joke, <laughs> like if you take it as a serious horror movie, you're an idiot. But otherwise, it's all right. You're yeah, like, it's funny. I'm intrigued Chop by part Top two. Is good. Everything from like the the poster art of it, like with the creature, not creatures, but like the characters, they're yeah. posing the oh, same yeah. way they did for the Breakfast Club. Now, a lot of people like didn't pick up on that until like years later, but we got the the one Leatherface is like laying on the floor with his head propped up against his hand. <laughs> Everyone else is just, like sitting there in place. Like you got the Judd Nelson, you got the Ali Sheedy, you got the Emilio Estevez. Like they're all posing as exactly as those characters in the Breakfast Club, which is hilarious. And the, the fact that nobody picked up on that until like years later, I don't think. Um, it was just like a total joke, I think, on the whole film industry. Well, not film industry, but like, you know, just the people that were backing it and financing it. Like, Toby Hooper, I don't know. They liked what he did in the first one. I don't know why it took so long for it to come back. It took over 10 years because Texas Chainsaw, the first one was 74. The year I was born, scary thing. And then, like, you know, part two came out in 86. So that's 12 years there. I don't know why it took them so long, but they gave him pretty much like carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. And what he wanted to do was just, like, make this, like, farce of a movie, which was just, like, absurd. You had, like, you know, guys. <laughs> the guy the guy with the ball, Chop Top, mm-hmm. who was by, played by Bill Mosley. Um, like, like, his appearance at that radio station, just, like, taking a wire coat hanger, taking a cigarette lighter, <laughs> laying the tip of it to heat it up, and then put that on top of his head. To pick pieces of his skull, which he would pick <laughs> off the wire hanger and then eat. So, gross. <laughs> so fucking gross. That's part two. So gross. <laughs> yeah. It's horrendous. But um, yeah, so anyway, all that to say, I think that like the the weird uncle, uh, I forget his character's name, but like the one that was making the chili of human people, mm. um, he was the only one that survived. Not survived, but like made it the second movie. Well, grandpa and grandma, I believe, were in the tombs with him, weren't they? True. Yeah, they think the they second were, one. Right, right, right. Grandpa. It's been a long time since I've seen the second one for a good reason, but I think they were. I think there was some sort of form of goddamn corpse in that thing. <laughs> I don't know. The something. <laughs> Bunch of creeps they were. Yeah. Grandpa did make it. Yeah. I think there and was then, some. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Because final tri- showdown with fucking Dennis Hopper. That old nonsense. They did. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Like I didn't mind him in the movie. I don't know no, what it was. He's a great crazy person. He was. Yeah. But it was just like the part where he's like flipping. He buys the chainsaws like at that that store, and he's like you know like. Waving them around as if they're swords. <laughs> so fucking stupid. And you see the owner of the sword just like looking at him, like, "What the hell is he doing? What's he gonna do with these chainsaws?" But um, okay. So getting back to the first one again. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna assume two through modern day everything was the result of copious amounts of cocaine. That's all I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna assume. Just like I guess. Toby Hooper doing a lot of cocaine and it was the like, mid This is fucking awesome. <laughs> it and was. Then you get what you get. <laughs> Yeah, it was the mid '80s. That was the same year as like Stephen King like directed Maximum Overdrive. He was, like, <laughs> if you're gonna do a horror movie, he was tired of all these other directors stepping in and directing his movies, and just like you got to do it right. He did. He did Maximum Overdrive, and it was like the worst movie ever. It was just like so bad, so corny, and he admitted like he was coked up the whole time, which I would I would contest that that should have made the movie better. I, I would if just... you're so you know ramped up on coke. <laughs> You should be doing a hell of a good job, right? I don't know. It works for me. These guys made <laughs> David kidding. Lynch look like goddamn Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. oh. yeah, give me some of that eraser head. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, 
You know, I never saw Racerhead. Are you fucking kidding me? I saw a few David Lynch movies. I saw Blue Del Blue Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Bobby Vinton, right? Mulholland Drive. Wow, that's all by Adrian. Fucking did did Lynch do that? Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Twin Peaks. Well, that's a show, but okay. Well, there was there was a Twin Peaks movie also, Fire Walk with Me, right? Did you guys see Lost Highway? I did. I did, yeah. That is one of the best soundtracks of all time, by the way. Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, fucking sneaker. It's awesome. It's a good fucking. I remember watching that. Yeah, Rosanna Arquette, right? Yes. Or was it Patricia Arquette? No, well, one of the fucking Arquettes. They're both oddballs. They're all weird and ugly. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? David, too. I don't give a shit about anything. Patricia was okay. Oh, wait. Oh, she was the one from Friends. Uh, Or wait. One of them was in Friends, right? Oh, no. No, no, no. He married the girl from Friends. Sorry. Moving oh, on. wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I think you're onto something. That's my fault. I fucked up. I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> I'm not a celebrity person. My bad. <laughs> Fuck me, right? All right, let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Right. So, me, yeah. I'm ruining Adrian's night. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> any comment, Adrian? Um, I, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chris almost spit his whiskey all over my uh, computer here. <laughs> I told you she should have had the mic. <laughs> I know, I know. All right. Much shorter. and coherent (laughs) so this puts us let's see we left off like around where they get to the house and we mentioned like a couple of um i don't know murders of the house and stuff like that one thing like i was curious about though was that toby hooper wanted a pg rating for this movie um which i think is crazy because like how the hell do you think he was gonna get a pg rating i mean i know he apparently like deleted out some gore from this movie and so he, he had some, you know, bloody parts here and there. I can't imagine what it looked like. I, I wonder if there's, like, an uncut version of it out there somewhere because I'd be curious to see what that was. But apparently, like, some of the gore was edited out of it. And when you watch the movie and you're looking for it, actually, it's true. You can't really find much of it. But what you do see is, like, some really disturbing scenes that you've never seen in film before. You know, like that meat hook tattoo that you have that you proudly display in your life. Yeah! <laughs> So it's just like the general idea of it. You know, there's never been somebody like that's actually been like picked up, you know, by this guy who's like, what, 260 pound Gunnar Hansen looks like a linebacker. He hangs somebody on a meat hook and, you know, she's flailing around there. So that's obviously very unsettling. And, um, you know, your imagination, of course, is just like filling in the blanks of just like, wow, how disturbing is that? Um, not just that, but then I mentioned before also the girl that's put in was it the same girl that was put in the freezer or was that somebody else? Meat hook girl? Yeah. Yes. It was. Same okay. Yeah. Okay. What I thought was like actually kind of creepy also was the fact that um they show some close ups of Leatherface. He's just sitting there, you see him with the mask, and it shows like his eye movement, and you can just tell it's like a very disturbed character. When you think of the other big three slashers like Michael Myers, Jason, it's just like yeah, okay, they're kind of like along the same lines, but there's something different there because those guys are just like, they've got one straight mission. They're just like out to kill. But you can tell like Leatherface is like more disturbed. He's like just there's something more mentally going on there that you don't see with the other ones who are just like there for one purpose. You know, it's just based on somebody who's just like not all there. He doesn't talk at all. and But he's part of the family. You know, he's respected as part of the family. What's I would that? say that has a lot to do with the intelligence too, is that the highlight of... Leatherface is low IQ. So I think, if I remember mm. correctly, he's supposed to be like an inbred. Or the whole family's supposed to be an inbred, right? Something Maybe. like that. And then, but like Michael Myers and uh, guys like Freddy Krueger and all that stuff, like the guys, they're supposed to be high IQ, very kind of like quick whip. <laughs> Crazy, right. but up there. Like not, they're not like mentally retarded. 
Freddie was I a pretty quick think, wit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Leatherface, for all intents and purposes, was a kill machine, right? Like he's a hunter. He's not intelligent. He's he's bred in a rural town in Texas. Yeah. Right? He comes from a very rural, secluded family, which for all intents and purposes, I'm pretty sure, at least when they get to the remakes that garbage bullshit from 2003 oh, he's yeah. supposed to be i think they're all supposed to be like inbreds right i think i, I could be remembering it wrong but that I'm pretty sounds, sure they're all there was other characters that. too that weren't yeah. like in the original too real fucking weird right like the ant and the, the there was like the legless yeah. something oh right very right, right. strange yeah but that's what i would think the arlie ermy character awesome. although he is awesome but like who Ermie. would he have been in like the original you know series like I don't Nobody. know, the guy off just fucking corpses in the middle of the desert. <laughs> no. I don't know, but Orly Army is one of the greatest American heroes of all time. Rest in peace, bud. He was a great character. <laughs> I know. I know. Any movie he was in, like it was always like something great. He was never like a leading man in a movie, but man, full metal jacket. I mean, he made that movie. Saving Silverman. He plays the fucking I've coach. never seen that. Dude, it's awesome. He, Saving he's Silverman. he's like this hard on ultra masculine I think he was a gym teacher or something and it turns out he's like he's so he's so super masculine but he's a closeted gay dude and he marries one of the uh, one of the main characters it was so funny oh so okay. good a little he reminiscent is, of American Beauty with that guy who was like oh, trying yeah. to be tough Kevin like Spacey Kevin Spacey's right. neighbor yeah. right oh, right real, oh, we're not getting into Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Spacey I'm not going down that road <laughs> I didn't mean to bring that up no but. no no it's fine. <laughs> just, just I don't have a soft spot for Kevin Spacey I promise you he's, <laughs> he's, he's got, fucking weird <laughs> he's ready for you though uh, yeah, well, whatever man. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm handsome but I'm not available okay you're taken <laughs> note to Kevin Spacey if you do listen to this uh, Mr. Levy is taken no to As Liam well, Neeson. <laughs> Adrian, you want to comment to that? Um, no. <laughs> so does that mean you're available? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Arlie Ermey, I mean, that, not Apocalypse Now, but uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, that whole scene was improvised. Like, 100%. he didn't, yeah, like all that stuff, like when he was talking to Vince D'Onofrio, a young Vince D'Onofrio, I mean, all that was just like off the cuff, that like, gouge your eyes out and skull fuck you. I mean, who thinks of that? Well, he was actually a real life Marine yeah. Corps drill sergeant. Right. And he was a regular participant in Marine Corps activities from, from, uh, as an advisor like mm -hmm. appointed as an advisor right and he also made it a point to show up every year like my father met him multiple times at the Marine Corps Bowl did he really? yeah no, he shit. was there every year NYPD Marine Corps Bowl made sure to, to take the time spent he was he was big big involved in all that stuff and he was actually hired for Full Metal Jacket to be an advisor for the actor that's right he wasn't and supposed to be in the movie he right? wasn't supposed to be in the movie yeah and when he started going he actually turned around and was like well, why am I training somebody? I could do this myself. Exactly. So he actually auditioned with uh, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah. Whatever. And uh, auditioned for the role himself. Said, fuck it, why, why, why hire somebody <laughs> else? And that's how you end up. And he improvised the whole thing. But that was all shit he used to say to guys in fucking Vietnam. Yeah. And the funny <laughs> thing is, and Kubrick was such a, he's known for like such a no-nonsense director. Like mm -hmm. he always had that reputation. It's just like, you don't tell him what, he tells you what to do. But Arlie Ermey convinced him, like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. And Kubrick's like, uh, okay, go for it yep. and then yeah it was like one of the most amazing like he wasn't in the movie for long you know before he yeah, got 20, you know blasted himself in the 20, movie minutes, yeah. right right but yeah it was pretty memorable Fucking a. uh yeah but back to the first one let's see again you know being being what it was it's such a groundbreaker you know supposedly a true story it was based on ed gein in wisconsin who ed did gein gein okay <laughs> <laughs> It's the whiskey. <laughs> but, right. yeah. 
Uh, let's see. So one of the writers, Kim Henkel of Texas Chainsaw, said like it was also influenced by a serial killer in Houston. And but supposedly the chainsaw part that was like added by Toby Hooper, who who supposedly says like he was out holiday shopping one time and there was, <laughs> the crowds were so bad. He had this momentary like fantasy of like how would be the easiest and fastest way to get through this crowd. He's like, if only I had a chainsaw, I could just like cut these people in half. I mean, who the fuck thinks like that? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But I guess that was probably inspiration for him to put the chainsaw in this movie. And wow, what a great thought because look what it gave us. That was that part. And of course, this was banned in several countries on its release. Um, despite the fact that he did edit it out again. Like, I wonder what that original cut looked like. Oh, you know what I wanted to mention? So getting to back to part two again. I know we don't, this is not about part two. But that guy that had his skin peeled off by Leatherface, the guy that worked at the radio station, and I guess like Chop Top, Leatherface came and kidnapped him along mm. with the girl. No, no, the girl came later. But like he got skinned alive. And then he kind of like, you know, obviously died from that in part two. That guy got killed by an actual serial killer in real life. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> Some fun. <laughs> That's pretty fucked. It really is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that serial killers like are such a rare thing in the first place, and then you're in a movie about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then you get killed by a serial killer? Like, when the fuck does that ever happen? Well, hello, Mr. At least once. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> 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 well, hello, Mr. Popular. <laughs> so sought after. <laughs> right. That poor That's guy. Terrible. I don't know his name. <laughs> ah, nice one. Nice play on words there. <laughs> We're terrible. This <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> Oh. But, uh, yeah, I don't remember who that guy was. I don't remember his name. I don't remember the character <laughs> name. But he was big, had a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, like everybody else in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. It is funny, though. Listen, and I don't know I don't know what the truth was. I don't know what the uh, the actual story was. I can only go by, you know, what Hollywood pushes towards you and all that stuff. But as far as, like, Ed Gein was concerned, I was telling you before, mm. I think there was there was actually a whole story about the clerk, right? Like, so the chainsaw thing, right? So apparently Ed Gein had kidnapped his local clerk from the general store down the way. Really? In, like, Wisconsin, wherever the fuck he was from, whatever. Yeah, it's Wisconsin. And he fucking hung her upside down, naked, and chainsawed her ass from, from her ass <laughs> down to her throat and wore her as a fucking suit. That is crazy. Now, eh, how true? I don't know. But, you know. They could have had their interpretations, whatever, but it was in the movie. It's in the fucking stories, all that stuff. Well, when you like, say chow true, do you mean like that that actually happened, what you just described? or No, it was, I mean, that's that's one of the stories that they tell about Ed Gein after he killed his mother and the whole shebang. Which is crazy, because if you pull up Netflix these days, there's like so many serial killer specials. Like, yeah. uh, you know, there's like a million of them these days. I don't know what like the public's obsession is with these guys. Yeah. Handsome uh, Jeffrey Dahmer that's been making the rounds. <laughs> the handsome Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> He's handsome. Hello. Well, that's the thing that's been playing around is because like it, it's like these, you know, quote unquote documentary, not documentary, but like what do you call it when you like play off of an actual event and you like documentize it. A docudrama? <laughs> yes, a docudrama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. In these docudramas, like, they make them, they kind of glamorize them, and oh, it's yeah. like, 
you know, kids are seeing these things and like young impressionable teenagers are seeing these things and they're like, wow, serial killers are so cool. Mm -hmm. And I remember being that age and just like having those books at the library and it was super accessible. <laughs> I can only imagine when mom and dad are watching Netflix and it's just like, wow, who's this like hot Jeffrey Dahmer guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> to say the least, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, there's there's like so many of these movies. I remember like, you know, there was a Ted Bundy one like a few years ago where that was like a pretty well done one. I don't know. It was like went on for like, I don't know, like nine, nine shows, I guess that season. Like it was like 2019 or 2020, maybe. Um, but it's pretty well done. And then I don't know, a bunch followed. And then like there's this show that Mark is it Mark Wahlberg or Donnie Wahlberg, one of the Wahlberg guys. He does this show called Very Scary People, which there's like any serial killer you can think of is covered on there but um the funny thing is though what i was saying about ed gein though is that i don't remember ever seeing a special on him or and i especially don't remember like that when he described where the woman was hung upside down like because he was ugly and weird <laughs> i mean are they all though no no well, well so ted bundy i guess was supposedly handsome also like you say so in in real life i guess women liked him which is like w one of the ways what that made it easy for him to like you know take control of them or influence them, I should say. Well, that's that's exactly what I was going to get to too. Is that just like she was mentioning here, uh, Adrian? Obviously. Uh, Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> what, what the fuck is her name now? <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, that's that's a thing. And you know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Marilyn Manson. I was as a child. Um, I mean, from nine years old, I started listening to, him, and he perfectly explained American culture in a nutshell. Is that we have an equal obsession with movie stars but we also have an obsession with murderers the same reason why we have like the big i'm not getting into this either but like the shootings all these days like oh it's always about copying it's always about fame it's about the notoriety right yeah and guys like ted bundy and jeffrey dahmer were so charming not only fuck fuck right, the media right, fuck the courts fuck all that ted 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 bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy were able to not only fool the police, they yeah. were able to fool judges and DAs. They were able to fool their families and fool their friends and do all these because they were so charming and so likable. And that's that's what kept them that's what kept longevity, right? A guy like Ed Gein was all due respect, he was he was fucking he had like an IQ of like ten because he was an idiot. He was huh. in the middle of nowhere, he was an old man. He he was a redneck. I mean, just to, just to put it simply, he was a nobody. He had no way of talking to people. He was infamously known for being a bumbling jackass. And the only thing he ever knew was his brother and his mother, right? So okay. he was, so he wasn't likable. He wasn't charming. He was nothing. So he got caught very quickly because he was in a very <laughs> small town where he killed a bunch of people that it was easily traced back to him, right? Ted Bundy. Wearing their skin. Also that. <laughs> also that. Love Doesn't it. Doesn't help. Yeah. Love it. This is why she. I love this. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> this is why I needed her ears. She's the best. Right. So, <laughs> but no. But seriously, like Ted Bundy. Ted Ted Bundy fooled everybody. And the reason why they make documentaries on these people is because they fooled everybody. And it was because they blended in like everybody else. And like fucking Wednesday Adams from the original Adams family, or not the original, but the '90s Adams family. The one thing she says is she shows up to a, a Halloween party, and they were like, "Oh, what's your costume? Whatever." And she goes, "I'm dressed like a normal everyday people. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is." What costume? And they basically say, "Like, well, serial killers look like everyday people." Basically, I'm, I'm butchering the shit out of the synopsis there, but <laughs> that was the idea. Right. And 
John Wayne Gacy was so deeply ingrained in politics and deeply ingrained in family mm-hmm. life and these societies and all these things. Oh, yeah. You could never peg them for serial killers. Because right. Because everybody fucking liked them. They loved them. Oh, yeah. He had that clown thing going on, right? Oh, the, oh But that yeah. was like a part-time gig. But he was involved yeah. with his, his town. I don't he know, something political. He was in the political, DNC. Right? He was in the fucking... Uh, yeah. He was in the city council. He was friends with mayors. He was friends with governors. He was friends with the fucking president. I mean, it's right. weird, dude. So, he was in everything. You just never know when you're sitting in the same room as a serial killer. You'll find out. <laughs> Could be one of us. <laughs> He's got a leather face tattoo. He might be a fucking detective. You never know. As we sit in this basement, you know, of like, you know, other creepy things. How about pipes. the fucking guy on... Sorry to cut you off, but how about the fucking guy on the the, uh, the dating show? I forgot the, what the name of the serial killer, but he's on like a 1970s dating show. Oh, I don't know. He was... Uh, love match... You guys never heard about that? He was like the fucking... He, they called him like the love match killer. He had like I don't hear about this one. Really? Nah. He was on national TV. So anyway, he's on national TV. Okay. He was an actual rapist serial killer. Wow. I think his name... I want to say his name was Bruno, maybe, but... He goes on national TV. It was like the love match. It was when the three pe- the three guys sit behind the screen, and the one woman decides which one of these three she wants to pick. Oh, yeah. And she picks him, and they <laughs> go on a date, and it turns out he's fucking murdering people. Like, he's raping them That's... and then butchering them and gets arrested like a year later, something like that. It's fucking crazy. That's so it. So that Dude. was like a 70, like, was it uh, yeah. Love Connection? Was that what it was called? Something or... like that. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucked. I know. I remember, like, you know, there was a show like that, but I don't know. Jesus. That's so weird. But that just goes to show. It's just like, yeah, you never know. I mean, these people are just like so. And the BTK killer also was like, I guess he was like a little off, you would say. But so you meet a lot of people in everyday, like, you know, both of you could be both a little off also. I'm the only normal one, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I mean, he had a normal job. Like, he worked for the city doing some kind of like, I don't know, he he'd come around and like like you know if your dog was barking too loud he'd give you like a warning or something like that but he worked for the town so he had like some level of respect there but at the same time you know he was just like i don't know at night he would go out and just like you know kill people and he had a family i think four people and he just just seemed like a typical family guy Mm -hmm. totally normal but Yeah. yeah very strange one of the saddest things one of the saddest stories of all i think was was from the Dahmer story though about how like somebody escaped from his captivity 14 year old boy yeah you boy yeah. he runs down the street like right into like literally like what two cops were there it was and they're milwaukee, like milwaukee i believe yeah was it oh i thought it was los angeles for some reason where he no. lived okay I, I think well i think it was milwaukee because i think it, that's where this all starts i, I think well whatever continue the story it doesn't yeah matter. it's irrelevant I'm but anyway yeah most people do know the story but anyway like you know so he goes to the cops and he's like help help you know this guy is mm-hmm. like you know, he thinks he's, he's you know, he's saved at that point. Like, you know, he's, he's got two cops in front of him. And he's like, this guy is, like, held me captive. Like, you know, he's making me do all these, like, terrible things. He's going to kill me. And then Dahmer himself walks right down the street, like, calm as can be. And he's like, oh, I don't know. What did he say? Well, he said he was 14. I thought he was, like, was older. Like, I think he was, like, 15 or 16. Oh, okay, he was okay. Young. He was a young boy. Because I thought young. Dahmer was trying to say, like, it was, like, a lover's quarrel. Like it, it was, was a lover's quarrel. Right, so the right. kid was completely naked. Right, yes. So that's the first thing. There's two black ladies out front trying to help this kid. Uh-huh. Two random citizens, but it was two black ladies, and they they would later go on to the news station. It was a whole thing. But okay, um, the cops. I mean, you got to figure. You know what? What is it like? 1984, 1985, something like that. Probably at this point, uh, I believe, sometime in the 80s. 
Maybe. Gay people were not particularly looked fondly upon by anybody. That's Society true. as a whole did not really care much for gay people. Oh, that's true. We don't think about that on Nightmare on Elm Street 2, yeah. our episode. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can go back and listen to if you want. But, but listen, I mean, for, whatever, for better or worse, I mean, it was the culture. And especially if yep. you think about, like, the Midwest. Middle middle America was not yet ready for gay people anyway. Yeah. So for two cops to deal with a lover's quarrel between two men was probably... Oh, okay. Not they were really like comfortable, but they just didn't care. It so they were like, okay, whatever. You go back to your guy. Well, and... they they looked at it, but the kid was so drugged. I mean, like he had. He, the, not only did Dahmer inject him with some sort of weird, fucked up something. It was it was like quaaludes times a hundred. Like this kid was yeah. fucked, right? He was literally like, he wasn't speaking. He might have been saying something, but he wasn't really. Spe- Imagine like. A guy who's been drinking for 24 hours walks up to you stumbling and says, meh, 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 meh. Right. Like, they it's understood able to certain escape. key phrases. Right. Yeah. But the black women on on this scene were saying, like, he, he should not be going back with this man. They kept saying this. Like, he should not be going back with this man. Okay. And the cops just kind of, like, disregarded him. They're like, ah, whatever. You know, like, it's a lover's quarrel. It's not our business. They didn't care. Right. And they send this kid back with fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. And Jeffrey Dahmer's, uh, Dahmer takes this fucking kid back and then fucking murders him. Right. I mean, and the kid, listen, the kid was already passed out. If I remember the story correctly, he had already gone under. Like, Dobber had already knocked him out. The hmm. kid wakes up out of this drug, gets up, stumbles out naked. He's about to be chopped up and fucking thrown in the freezer. Yeah. Stumbles out and find his way, finds his way out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I know. And yet Sally should have died. Yes, Sally should have fucking died. <laughs> Sally's a fake fucking character, and it's called the, the massacre. If it was called the Jeffrey Dahmer massacre, I'd be on your side, kind of. But you know, I'm just saying, it's not. Again, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everybody should have died. Just saying, pointing out there. St- it's called the massacre. All right. <laughs> Based on a true story. Adrian's but- gonna hate my fucking guts by the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> Banned from the show. I don't know. I don't care. It's all right. <laughs> go out with a swan song. I don't care. There you go. It's all right. <laughs> I still like Adrian. If you didn't like me, it's fun. I've just been thinking about Buffalo Bill for like the last half of just tuning out like all of Chris's rants. Oh, um, get out of here. <laughs> Buffalo just, Bill. Like, I'm just thinking of that scene where he's like putting on the lipstick and that song comes on. What, the Wild Chris, Horses? Chris reminds yeah. you of Buffalo Goodbye, Bill? Horses. <laughs> my guts man. Nah. that's all she's saying in this, in this very hurtful way <laughs> all the pretty and i'm not saying that anybody reminds me of buffalo bill um if anything it is what's his name ed gein, ed gein. oh yeah that's where it came from yeah <laughs> yeah it makes sense the, the whole inspiration of this uh this movie slash podcast i've just been having goodbye horses playing in my head the Oh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> Buffalo Bill that. was <laughs> Buffalo Bill was shortchanged in all of that whole Silence of the Lambs hype. You know, Anthony Hopkins did such a good job playing Hannibal Lecter. Like Buffalo Bill, like it's kind of like he's just like an afterthought in all this. But he was like he should have been like the real main focus of that movie. Confirmed. Yeah. But so in the minutes that he had, they were pretty <laughs> iconic. <laughs> that guy was on that show, Monk, wasn't he? Wasn't he Monk's boss? <laughs> no idea. He was the cop that was like, um, I don't know. I think it's it's one of those things. It's just like anything else. Americans don't want to. Well, not to say they don't want to, <laughs> but when you have somebody as eloquent and as well spoken as fucking Sir Anthony Quinn versus Hopkins. Yeah. Oh, ha- oh sorry, Hopkins. Right. Oh wait a minute. Was it Hopkins? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm. I'm, I'm a fucking retard. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Who's Norman Bates guy? That was an Anthony also, right? 
That that was Anthony Hopkins. What? Silence of the Lambs was Anthony what? Why the hell can't no, I think of it? Isn't it? I thought it was Anthony Hopkins. No, you're right. I so who I was Norman Bates? Who played Norman Bates? It was Anthony know. something. Perkins. Okay, that was Perkins, <laughs> and Hopkins was Silence of the Lambs. I <laughs> fucked up either way. I mean, he's just highlighting my stupidity. Uh, well, I'm the one. <laughs> Never mind. But that's what it was. The flavor was. I mean, again, not only was the Hannibal Lecter, I mean, the character was so well played. I liked Buffalo Bill a lot. I loved Buffalo Bill. I think it was fucking, it was awesome. <laughs> but the problem was he was just overshadowed. I mean, that, that interaction between Jodie Foster and, uh, and and him, I mean, like, it, it was a very good, it was a very good, hard scene. Yeah. And they really didn't develop the Buffalo Bill character. I think they. Right. Because they, they didn't really want to. They wanted to be more psychological. They wanted to be more about her, which is cool. Right. She did a very good job. And the Hannibal Lecter character was so compelling. Right. And they wanted to keep that mystery around Buffalo Bill. He was cool. But he was also, like, when they did show him, they kind of made him seem like a big oaf, which I kind of, I was annoyed by. Because, like, <laughs> he <laughs> had that. He was very elegant and fabulous. <laughs> wow. So he's no, no, really no. obsessed with Buffalo Bill it was, here. It wasn't even like, it wasn't that he was, obviously he wasn't like stupid or anything like that. He was very like, it was funny. He was funny in a weird, charming way. He was. But like they made him seem stupid because they gave him, like he did that, he did that like the, the voice he used made him come off as like dim-witted. And it annoyed me because he wasn't. Yeah. You want to fuck me? Yeah, right. <laughs> it puts a lotion in the basket, right? Like, like Well, see, on, there's dude, the like, thing. That's one of the most quoted he lines. He's like an oaf, though. That was one of the quote, most quoted lines in the history of film. Yeah. Like, it gets quoted more than anything um, uh, Hannibal said, right? Right. I mean, uh, well, we got the Cayante. The yeah, the right. There's that. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that put the lotion in the basket is, like, way more quoted. Yes. Like, everybody fucking says that to the point where you get I tired agree. of hearing it. So he gets a little bit of, you know, notoriety. But still, nobody realizes. Like, if you think of the Correct. guy, like I can't even think what he looks like. I but do. He's... <laughs> he's like, he looks like a football player with a mullet. <laughs> it was cool though when she goes to the house like, at the very end of the movie. Like when she's yeah. going in, they got the in... he's got the infrared uh, helmet on or whatever it was or mask, and she's at he's at the door and like the interaction. I think I can't remember what he says, what the dialogue was exactly. Ooh, but come, come on in. Yeah, he's like, like uh, go to he sounded like he had a cold or something, right? Yeah. He had kind of like a blank look on his face. But he did a great yeah. job, though. Come on in. Yes. Yeah, and as per usual, the federal government got it wrong and raided the wrong house. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that happened a couple times in the early 90s after that. Right. <laughs> I think I think Waco and Ruby Ridge had something to say about that. Oh, my that. goodness, Waco. <laughs> I'm not getting political. I'm just fucking around. But, uh, the 90s were a crazy time, that, that, uh, that era. Yeah. yeah. But I will say, real, I just want to say real quick, just because I had to, because we talked about this earlier. Uh-huh. I got to say. This not only this movie, but a lot of a lot of weird horror movies kind of shaped my perspective. Like I saw, I was telling you guys earlier, I saw this movie. I rented this movie when I was ten years old. Tex Chainsaw Massacre was one of the fucking first horror movies I ever rented on my own. Uh huh. Technically, it inspired me to get into the serial killer thing. I started researching serial. That's why I know so much about Ed Gein. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> uh, I started getting into all sorts of shit. You know, being a New Yorker, I got into, you know, I've read stories about Albert Fish and David Berkowitz and all this, you know, you learn all about these fucking weird fucking guys, all this shit. And it actually inspired me to go into the route to to be a detective. Wow. Because that's that's really what got me into it, because you see how the mind works. You see how these guys work. You see what they do and you see how they get caught. Like David Berkowitz gets caught on a fucking Parking, parking ticket, ticket and yeah. goddamn Yonkers, right? <laughs> well, actually, the parking ticket was from, like, Brooklyn, I think. He killed somebody, uh, I think, about a quarter mile away from where I grew up, Bayside. Wow. 
Oh yeah. wow! It was yeah, 1977, I think. And uh, that's right, Summer of Sam. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff it, it very much influenced me, and uh, that's why I say I hold it close to my heart. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever made, but uh-huh. I love it. There's something. There's something I'm always going to enjoy about this movie, and I think Gunnar Hansen did a great job. And for whatever it is, it's a, it's a cool fucking movie, man. Yeah. So, well, a lot of people would agree with you. <laughs> I mean, that was a hundred thousand dollar budget, which you know back then would be worth more, probably you know, closer to a million. But still, I mean, that was like peanuts compared to like you know what other yeah. movies were investing and it made three no 30 million dollars similar to Night of the living right. dead they both had like similar investments similar like overall you know uh cash receipts so yeah i mean it's a hell of a success it spawned like you know who knows how many shitty sequels but um so many <laughs> <laughs> so bad right and you were like i don't know when you first saw this you were how old 10 10 okay so that would have been like uh, i don't know when that would have been but like you don't want to know it's an older movie, and, like, to have, like, you know, for an older movie to have an influence on somebody like that, like, not everybody, like, is into movies that are, like, that much older. It's like, oh, that's way before my time. I'm not going to bother with it. But, yeah, somebody had that effect. I'm a sick fuck, Ben. Evidently. <laughs> Asian, does have any affl- influence on you to do anything? No. Besides gag? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Back from a Twilight watching session with my with my friends, so that's <laughs> the Twilight. Ah, uh, the Twilight. That one series is something I can guarantee that's never going to appear on this podcast, as least as long as I'm in charge of it. The Twilight. I mean, it could be horrifying, but for different reasons. <laughs> yes, very gag worthy. These were the vampires that would like what twinkle when they walked into the sun, and they would like they wouldn't actually die; they would just twinkle, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I've never watched it. I'm just confirming it. <laughs> so. Chris is still laughing. Still, I was about to ask, like, what time are you out of here tomorrow? Are you like uh, sticking around for any kind of like you know, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, entertainment, or are you out of here? <laughs> Diana's driving home, so uh, maybe I'll start go. drinking at eight o'clock in the morning and then just see how it goes. Can't go wrong. <laughs> what could happen with that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to me. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. I promise. <laughs> Very passionate about whiskey. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we'll call it a night. Thank everybody for tuning in to this special episode, this special uh, double-long episode with our guest star. Hope to have him back again sometime. We'll see what you know, the audience reaction is. We might never have him back again. No. Congrats <laughs> for uh, sticking with it this far. <laughs> yeah. Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts, Chris? I love you, Chris. <laughs> Keep driving straight. There you Adrian. Goodbye, horses. (laughs) Yes, all the pretty horses.